All right. Welcome. Another episode of the podcast. Very excited today. Welcome my my dear friend, friend of the podcast, Seb Francois. Welcome. Hello. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be with you, too. Actually. It's been a while. Um, yes. Introduce yourself for our lovely listeners of the podcast. Uh, yes. So I've been working at UB for five years now, I think. Um, four years as a, as a user researcher, uh, three on Rainbow Six Siege, uh, and with you, a lot of that time with you, actually. Um, I think that's why we're going to it. check. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's why, that's why we're going to chat about it today. Uh, and for the last year now, um, I've transitioned into a UX designer position onto the same project, Rainbow Six Siege. Um, I come from more of a, like a game design background, like design background, rather than uh, academic research and stuff like that. I think that that could also explain uh, what we're going to talk about and how we tackle things. Um, and so I transitioned back into a design uh, designing role, and basically I focus on uh, core gameplay stuff. Great. Yeah. So happy to have you here. I think your perspective is always very interesting to me. We we enjoy continuing chatting, even though we're kind of both in different positions. But yeah, we worked together for I don't know, I think three years on Siege before you betrayed me and uh, left to go work on production. But uh, happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> we still chat, so it's not so bad. Okay, we still get to work each with each other just yeah. in different ways. So. I asked Seb specifically to join me today to discuss something, I was going to say like near and dear to our hearts, but I think, I don't know, I guess it is near and dear to our hearts, something we discuss a lot um, and something that was very kind of pivotal to our work experience on Siege specifically together. Um, I've touched on leveraging design play sessions several times in the podcast in a lot of different episodes, uh, especially in our last episode where we talked a lot about, uh, or I guess the two previous episodes, talking about blending into the design cycle. Uh, so if you haven't listened to those, I really would encourage you to go back, listen to them, come back here, uh, because we're going to share some more in-depth details of how exactly we leveraged the design plus play sessions on Siege. So I want to give some more kind of context to a lot of the kind of just leverage play sessions uh, conversations that we've had many times. So for context, I want to take us back to early 2018. Because <laughs> I think that's probably about when things, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you'd been on Siege for a little bit longer, um, working in a slightly different position, but you'd been on Siege a bit before then. I arrived more or less full-time onto the project about February, because I remember being there around SI. Um, so basically, we were both coming in uh, round about early 2018. January, February was really when we were kind of fully integrating into the cell. So um, keeping in mind, Siege had been, uh, been it had been live for uh, over two years at this point. Um, and user research support had been relatively light. Uh, we hadn't had a lot of dedicated kind of analysts such as ourselves uh, leading up to that. So you have a project that is live that has had spotty user research support for a bit um, and then a new pair of analysts kind of kind of coming in. So 
with that, uh, play sessions played kind of a big part in as we were kind of integrating ourselves in. Um, so I want to talk a bit about kind of this play session, how we leveraged and integrated them, kind of how we did that and what was the outcome? Because I think we'll be able to share some really interesting kind of tips for a lot of other people who are maybe looking at this and are feeling a bit overwhelmed with this idea of, okay, I understand what design play sessions are, but I don't really see where I could fit in. Uh, so this is, uh, the discussions we're gonna be having is basically over the course of just a few months. So based on my emails, <laughs> going back through it looks like we took full we took over fully of play sessions about may of 2018 mm -hmm. and uh, so yeah i had emails of you organizing play sessions okay. <laughs> <laughs> so i can confirm that it was about then so um maybe do you want to give a little bit of a since you're since you're a designer now a little bit of context of kind of briefly what a design play session kind of looks like mm -hmm. yeah uh, so i think yeah design play session if we talk uh, more specifically about siege uh, i think uh, i think it gives a, a good idea of, uh, of what it can be because basically the gameplay loop of siege is 5v5 uh, competitive multiplayer so it's it's it was fairly fairly natural for designers at the time to uh, to just be 5v5 and test out new content and prototypes. So it was fairly natural to to have those positions and then and then come in uh, for that. So yeah, design positions were just used to just to try out a prototype, uh, see how it feels in actual play conditions, uh, and see where they can go from there. Uh, so they they relied on that a lot. Uh, again. Especially because, yeah, that's the core gameplay loop of the of the game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think it's I think it like obviously like your mileage may vary, right? Depending on mm -hmm. like the design of the game that you're working on, but specifically within the context of Siege, it really was this place where we were really kind of seeing and feeling these prototypes kind of in action in like a five v five or a simulated type of environment. So they were really used for kind of yeah verifying the different content and so it was something that was happening like daily, right? Like you've got a lot of different pieces of content kind of being tested. And uh, with Siege, there was a lot of different cells and a lot of people, a lot of different people working on different pieces of content. So this was something we were very well aware that was happening, right? So we yeah. weren't necessarily running a lot of large scale studies at this point. We were really running, uh, from what I can tell, like we ran like a few smaller scale user tests, a couple other like workshops and things like that. Um, but that was kind of leading into the play session. Yeah. So yeah, I think the, the the other part of user research that was done uh, more frequently was the, the workshops done with pro players because uh, yes. of the sports scene. And uh, but to be to be honest, it was fairly, fairly close to what a play session would be uh, like, uh, yes. obviously more Back focused, then. but yeah. yeah. So jumping into kind of the first question that I want to discuss is why, why should we be leveraging these design play sessions as user researchers? Like what's your perspective on that? Uh, I think, I think what's great about them is that it benefits both, uh, both parties, uh, like a lot, right? like from, 
for you as a user research, you you get to to arrive at a like very very early in the process, like very first uh, iterations of a prototype. So you you are very early, and you can you can follow up the the prototype. So let's say in Siege we have uh, we have operators, so characters with special abilities. It's very easy to be there from the very first prototype and to follow to follow the process up until the, the release. So being there as early as the first play sessions was very valuable for that because you get to understand the design, the intention, uh, what is working, what is failing, and uh, and then for designers like you can help them uh, iterate very efficiently. Uh, because you you try to bring perspective basically uh, into into what they are doing. Um, because quite often it was mostly designers. Yes. Uh, sometimes a few programmers. Uh, so it was about bringing new perspective also uh, in in there. So depending on the timing also, you sometimes it's so early that you know some players they struggle to, and uh, that's completely fair. But they can struggle to imagine what what that prototype could be in the future. So depending on when uh, we would have varying uh, types of players, but at least at the beginning, trying to bring some fresh perspective into into that uh, was uh, was very valuable and and see what was working and what should be the next step and how, how could we iterate from that. Yeah. yeah, I think you touched on a lot of interesting things where it's like, I think there's a lot of opportunity for just kind of integrating yourself like into the process and the team i think there's a lot of kind of reservations towards i don't know like taking ownership or participating or leading design play sessions because they aren't perfect from a research perspective mm -hmm. right and i think that there is some reservations of well you know we we can't necessarily control for all of the variables of like who's participating right like you're touching on sometimes it's just it's literally like the design team the groups of designers the the gameplay programmers whomever are kind of participating in this and obviously this is not the most like ideal scenario for audience mm -hmm. and so i think that there is sometimes reservation when i'm talking with researchers i kind of get this sense where it's like well you know we want to make sure we're controlling for all of this but I think the beauty with play sessions is that, you know, they aren't perfect, but they're happening. Mm -hmm. And so you can really become a part of something that is free. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, it's there. You have a, you have an audience and you can just integrate and become a part of it. Yeah. It's uh, and also it would happen without you anyway. So yes, and it would be most probably much worse. Like, uh, and I, and to be honest, I can I can leave that situation right now as a designer, and you know because <laughs> that big thing, you know, where we had to work from home and, and stuff like that, I think changed a, a lot of things. But uh, basically, yeah, uh, it would be happening anyway uh, without our input. And I think the very very strong value that user researcher can bring to to that process is perspective, because exactly as you described, like because of the conditions in which we are playing. Like uh, the people playing, the at what time, in what state? It's introducing so so much variable uh, and and bias. also it's yeah and a lot of bias and it's so easy to to 
to not know what to do next, basically. And like yeah. uh, we, we, we need user researchers perspective on, on previous studies on various types of player because it's so easy to think about your design because as a designer, you try to uh, to have perspective as much as you can try to think about different types of player, but it's not always easy. There's limitations to it. Yes. You, can't, yeah. you can't know the full picture. Yeah, and, and that's why I think a user researcher in that, at that point in time are super valuable uh, because uh, and also just basic human biases like uh, you know like oh, okay it's it's not a player it's my director giving that feedback it's uh, yeah. it's uh, it's not uh, it's not a programmer it's a designer so even those kind of biases too are, are important and and just yeah. being able to take a, a step back as well i think it's a really good point i think it's like you know as a researcher you're able to kind of look at that a bit more objectively, right? You're able to evaluate and kind of wait, like, okay, obviously all of these people have a very in-depth knowledge of the game, but you can help identify the pieces of feedback that are helpful. I think from the researcher's perspective, some of the things that you touched on, it's, there's so much discussion and things happening, a lot of rich information that's occurring in play sessions. Even if you're just there observing, asking questions, listening, playing with them, I think is a huge way of just really understanding the design for one, the decision-making process, which I think is very important and who the decision makers are. There's a lot of very interesting pieces of information that you can get just observing. You don't even have to be leading these. You just need to be there observing, participating, whatever it's really helpful to kind of understand like, okay, what do they need from play sessions? Like as a designer, what are you expecting to get out of this? And you can start to kind of adjust your expectations. I think that, like you said, it's a thing that's happening, whether you're there or not. It's also something that as a researcher, it doesn't take a lot of resources, right? If you are an individual researcher, which, yeah, we were two researchers at the time, but like that was kind of it most days. <laughs> and we had a very extensive game that we had to cover. And we basically kind of split our time covering play sessions, tests, everything. But play sessions were great because it didn't require a lot of other people or input a lot of time they were generally something that we could turn around reasonably quickly and so for people that are working in smaller research teams it's a great way to kind of get yourself in the door by understanding what the content is the decision making you know who makes the decisions who's doing what what designers are kind of working on what piece you know who to go to you know how to who your contacts are and i think that it's it is being able to identify it helps you see like what your purpose there can be right and i think a lot of that is we'll, we'll touch on kind of like the roles as a researcher like in the play session process because i think there's a couple of different roles that you can kind of break it down that we kind of figured out as our experience of doing that but it's that we really kind of learn to integrate ourselves into that and understanding what our purpose is by just being able to assess what they actually needed from these. Because a lot of the times you're just like, I know I need feedback. I'm just not really sure how to get it, how to go about doing that. So I'm just going to get all of the people together that are sitting next to me or whomever, you know, and working through and getting that feedback. 
it's a very uh, it's a very human experience too. Like uh, just first very just physically. Like uh, uh, I remember back then I just joined the floor because we were about to take care of PlayStation. Like I had to be there physically, and I know being invited is a recurring topic I think in the podcast. And and uh, and yeah, so basically. <laughs> I had to be embedded because I had to be around to to take care of those and and then and then uh, I remember the, those experiences just with designers like it's a, a very particular moment also in the process like uh, usually yes. because I think PlayStation's they are most efficient at the very early uh, and uh, yes and as a designer you feel very vulnerable at that time because you're exploring you're in the dark you, you don't really know. And this is when you need feedback, and not not feedback as uh, as validation. Like, okay, everything is semi-polished, and now we push that externally to a service that will say, is it good or not? It's a bit, yeah, quite often it's too late. But even then, like, it, this is not necessarily where when it's the most uh, the most valuable. At that time, also, it's yeah, again, like as a designer, very really very vulnerable because you have intentions and you t you're not sure how you're going to get there. And you're there to assist them, like uh, to say, okay, I understand. I understand you, the struggles, what you're trying to achieve. I can, I can see. Uh, also, observation, as you mentioned, like I think it's uh, it's something that is easily dismissed. Uh, it's basic for for user researcher, like uh, you know, comparing what is said and what what you've uh, what you've seen. But sometimes internally, uh, like designers, will only think about what has what has been told. Yeah, and, and not what they actually to, like yes. were doing, trying to figure out yeah. what was in the content. Yeah, for sure. So just uh, just being there, watching, uh, giving feedback, perspective at that time. I think uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's kind of kind of dumb to say, I guess, but uh, it's yeah, it's a very human experience. Like it's uh, it's a very very a kind of fragile moment <laughs> because yeah. you are exploring and and you're there to support them, and I think that builds uh, from the get go. It builds like a. Yeah, like a, some sort of trusting relationship already, just because it's of the building, context. Yeah, it's building that empathy, right? And I think that it's building, it's getting communication, it's working on building like good channels of communication, a good solid working kind of empathetic relationship. And for me, I think it's like how we integrate ourselves is really, it's almost this like mindset shift a little bit where it's that we're we're not trying to think about like, making this the most unbiased perfect piece of research experience like package as possible it's really you don't it's not about making things better right i think that's when sometimes designers get a little uneasy when user research just like comes kicking the door down and they're like we're here it's because we <laughs> we don't want to try and necessarily like make it better or less biased. I don't think that's the point here. I think it's really about understanding this mindset shift of we are here as a design tool, which is touching on in the last episode, but I think it's tying into this a lot where it's it's not to produce perfect unbiased research. It's really tapping into something that is happening around you that you're able to give really actionable, helpful information to a team to help them push forward to make decisions. And it's not the only thing, right? If, if, if your play sessions was the only piece of research that you were doing, then yes, you would probably need to figure out some way to like introduce some like rigor and control into some of this, uh, into this research. But it's not intended to be a one and done. It's really intended to kind of be 
you know, it's raising a flag in a lot of instances. It's it's kind of identifying and making quick pivots for iteration and identifying as a researcher when more research gets done. But yeah, I think yeah, uh, it reminds me also of something that is, that can be very very valuable uh, from a user researcher is that as you turn as I transition to in, into a designer role, obviously I wouldn't take care of everything in the game. <laughs> I just have a, a few mandates, but as yeah. a user researcher, uh, I could uh, I could work on on basically all the features because we try to to help on all of them that are going to to the players. And so, as a designer working on that specific feature, going through play sessions, having a user researcher that can tell me, okay, this is going to ship with that feature, or this feature is coming, or you know, we know from this other thing or this other study or, the, or this other other piece, piece of content that it failed or, or we had issues or, or it was very good. Uh, uh, just having that perspective, I think, is, uh, is, uh, is very, very, very valuable. Yes, 100%. And I think that leads a bit into kind of like what I want to go over kind of the different roles, because I think there's a lot of different ways that you can be involved and really leverage play sessions and it's all about kind of recognizing what your purpose is and where your value add is going to be either for yourself as a researcher or for the team right and I think it's in a very basic level we kind of identified four different kind of slots that things kind of fit into and I think that you can identify which bucket you want to get depending on where what the needs are what your impact can be but basically there's four different roles, right? So the first being participant. So as a researcher, you can participate in these design <laughs> play sessions. It's a great yeah. way of being able to learn the content for yourself. Sometimes, especially with Siege, a lot of our issue was like, we need 10 people, right? Mm -hmm. I think that was a very specific thing that we always ran into was that we oftentimes had to participate because it's difficult to find 10 people to be available for an hour to participate. So it's attending, observing, playing the content, asking questions, you know, being there in kind of in it. Yeah, and building that relationship too. Like, uh, yes. I guess it's especially true, but uh, at the end of the day, we are making a game and we are playing it's it. <laughs> playing it. Yeah, we are playing it together. And then, and then, okay, like the designer can think, okay, you've played uh, with me and we went through that situation. Like I know you understand what what context uh, I work with, and yes. like I can trust that you know the game and that uh, that what you will bring uh, as information to me back uh, some feedback. Like I feel like I can trust it more because you I know I know you yeah. thought about this and that and yeah it's uh, it's in terms of, in terms of trust I know it's something that is very important like just. Even just this morning, I was reading an email and we had a question. I was like, "Are they aware exactly of what we want?" And and uh, and just sometimes that little bit of friction, they it can can just disappear just because because just you're around and playing yeah. with them. Well, I think it's a fantastic point. I think it's a big piece of it, and I think it's it's identifying when you should be the participant, right? I think the other role and what I feel as though often becomes the kind of holding point for a lot of researchers when we're thinking about play session is the planner, right? 
We're really good at planning things. We are the party planners. We can organize everything up and down. We're really good at making sure everybody's going to be on time. They know they need to know when they're going to be there. Uh, you know, so being the planner of a play session, you're organizing, you're getting all the right people in the room. What are the goals of the play session? You're really kind of making sure that it's people are there and you're really kind of organizing that this thing is going to happen. I think this is where a lot of researchers fall into a trap of staying the planner for too long. And maybe it's even like, oh, I created a survey that other people or a questionnaire that people are going to fill out after, and then I'm going to send the, the extract over to somebody, right? Know when your value comes from being a planner. It's not the end, like, well, obviously, this is number two of four. <laughs> so there's obviously, like, other places for you to evolve to. And I think that the planner where you're really organizing, but you're quite hands-off in what's happening is, uh, it's a dangerous place to stay. It's yeah. a great way to kind of help provide and really kind of ensure that these conversations are happening but you want to not stay as the party planner for too long. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's. Uh, it's even more tricky because for uh, for people on a production, if they are not familiar with user research, it is what it is. It's it's already yes. what a PlayStation is for them. Like it's just putting people in the same place playing a game. For You're just that, becoming okay. a coordinator. Yes, and for them, okay, that's the PlayStation. That's it, but because they are not familiar with all the rest, like observing, having clear, uh, having clear, uh, clear objectives, uh, taking feedback, working on next steps, and stuff like that. Uh, but, but yeah, you, you're, you're not educating them if you're just doing the planification because for them it's just okay. That's what a position is anyway. So there is no no other stuff to think about anyway you're when just kind of session, removing right? so, you're just removing a task from their to-do list that's it yeah and uh, and they don't see the value and they don't under, and they cannot understand uh, and that's not uh, not to blame up, them at all it's just a matter of, yeah, yeah it's, education. Just, it's, up to, it's up to us to mm -hmm. to be able to do that and i think it's really showing the other things that we can do you know so it's moving so we have participant we have planner the third one being the moderator right so i think this touches on specifically making sure that like it's it's a focus group moderation, right? It's making sure that you're you're kind of keeping conversation going. Maybe you're ensuring that specific topics are discussed during some sort of a debrief or discussion after playing the content. Um, you're taking notes. You're potentially passing those notes along to the team. But it's really kind of moderating the discussion. I think there's a lot of value in this as well. Obviously this is not like the final boss of play sessions for us, but like this is a good <laughs> this is a good step towards becoming a bit more integrated because you're able to make sure that you have you have a little bit more control over the conversation. This inherently would mean that you're kind of chatting with the designer ahead of time, wondering what questions they want to ask people. Or maybe you're suggesting different questions that people can ask. But it's really about this kind of like focus group moderation of, you know, taking notes, making sure that there's some sort of organization to the debrief. It's, uh, it's also important uh, if you go back to the designer, well, designer production perspective. Also, as I mentioned before, like it's uh, it's a very... Uh, a very vulnerable moment in a way 
Like you're just trying out the design and, and stuff. And what you can see very, very often, it's uh, it's about you know letting your ego go in a little bit, like and and wanting to justify your design or explain why something is still an issue at this point. Or and then it drags on, and and it, then it's not about listening to players anymore. And uh, yeah. it's very easy to fall into 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 that. Uh, and I think, again, that's why I think the user research is very helpful. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of opportunity, and I, I think you can remember all of the times that we would try and educate the designers of like, okay, we're going we're gonna to be the ones to ask the questions. You know, we want to make sure we're being really as objective as possible, and, you know, things would get heated. People would take things very personally. It's a very, it's a, it's a very vulnerable time, and that's totally normal. And I think it's, it's worth helping them understand that, you can empathize with them, right? It's like, okay, it's okay. Like we're gonna we're gonna get the feedback that you need, and like this is gonna be better because of it. And making sure that we're able to kind of get them the information that they need. And so I think being the moderator of the conversation is an important piece. I think the the final kind of layer of the roles of the play sessions is really I'm calling it the facilitator. And I think it's really it's handling the all of the kind of aspects of it. And it's not even necessarily like, oh, I have to be the participant, the planner, the moderator. I have to do everything. It's really this kind of mindset around facilitating conversation around the play sessions. So it's really, it's integrating the play session and the feedback that comes out of it, the way in which it's kind of run into the decision-making process by helping guide next steps. Right. A big part of us facilitating play sessions for a very, very long time was like the debrief of the debrief. Mm -hmm. Right. And it was the it was the next steps conversations. And it was really OK. OK, designer, we we discussed this operator prototype that you have. Here was the feedback. We were there to give the very quick high level of like, here's the summary based on the feedback, because as a designer, Often they would only remember that one negative comment that somebody said, and suddenly they can't let it go. And I'm not saying like, it's it's obviously that's a very difficult thing, right? It's a very vulnerable moment. You don't want to hear that like your concept didn't work or people didn't like it. And so we would notice that sometimes conversation was getting steered based on the kind of personal subjective feelings of the person that had their content being kind of evaluated almost. And I think that as a facilitator, what we were really focusing on was providing the kind of the key takeaways of the of the play session, right? I mean, that's a lot of what we're doing when we're doing research. We're kind of compiling the findings and we're giving the kind of executive summary or the key takeaways. And we could facilitate the next steps conversation of saying, okay, what do we how do we want to act on this feedback? And what do you, what else do you need to know to make a decision? And we were really the ones kind of asking those questions, being a part of it. When things start to get really heated again, we're able to step in and say, okay, all right, hold on. Let's go back to what the discussion was. Here's was, these were the comments. Remember, we saw people doing this because we were observing people too. We saw them using it. And so we're like, remember they said this, but we saw them using it in this way. Let's, is, is that what we're what we're looking for? And so we were able to kind of keep the conversation grounded a bit. Yeah, and I think it's it's also very interesting to give perspective and again education about what user user research can be. Uh, 
because sometimes uh, even just let's say a classic user test you just end up with a, a build with, with some stuff in it and you go externally to people that are going to do a user test on your on your thing and it feels like a like a process and something you go through and uh, and same with the playstations like at a very small scale could feel like okay we let's do a playstation every week yes but maybe maybe actually that's not a good call because you need to address some stuff that came up it's not it's not just a process you go through because you have to it's yeah sometimes you just keep positions for two weeks and that's okay and and that's fine you don't need to go through it again but and i think that's when user research is super helpful those next steps like uh, okay let's let's not play it again until we fix these issues until we we find an answer to to that piece of feedback and and uh, or and sometimes also just oh let me let me dig deeper into that thing i remember something we mentioned something a bit like that in the past about something else let me dig into that come back to you uh, and just take our time and yeah i think uh, i think that's uh, something like uh, that is very important like it's not it's not a process and uh, that you just do for the sake of it like you just uh, just take your time sometimes like always challenging them on when and how to test things and and it's it was also sort of the next steps was was also like actually the next step is on us uh, i think now is a good time to have a user test uh, yes it's time to go externally yeah. because because that's it i think we yeah we 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 tried all the possibilities uh, like uh, we don't have enough perspective anymore we we cannot move on anymore because we need external feedback uh, or a different form of feedback, a different form of study. And so sometimes we were part of the of the next step itself. Yeah. Well, I think that illustrates the power, right? Like that's this that is the exact situation of why we're talking about this is something that's so powerful to leverage and be a part of because it really allows us to be become more integrated making sure that we're keeping an eye on things that could potentially come up as tests it's it makes it a lot easier to kind of quote unquote convince the team that they need to be able to do a user test right because there's always like oh we're not ready it's not ready it's not ready but they can start to feel and see and it did we have that happen all the time where we would basically be like hey based on what you're telling me and what you need, I think we probably need to do a user test. And I really, there was rarely resistance to that. Once we became very integrated into this and we were really facilitating the majority of these bigger kind of play sessions, it just made that that conversation just move along like so easily into, yeah, the next steps is on us. And it was very easy for them to see the value of yeah okay i see why we need to we need to do that and sometimes the other way also like uh, yes. actually no you're not ready for user test yet like we like we we already saw like main main issues that we can still solve internally before resorting to user testness and just yeah iterate faster than with uh, with all the things that we need to that we need to put in place for uh, an external user test so it it went both ways yeah and um so I guess I cheated because I could listen to the previous uh, podcast <laughs> with Julia. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> you have so, a sneak uh, preview. Yes, hopefully you, you, you've been able to, to listen to it uh, as well before this one. But uh, but also like uh, it it was so much easier for us as user researcher to not be there after. Like uh, 
it's not about getting your objective after the fact. Like you know before all the things it went through, and and then and then yeah, your your objectives for once you go into an external uh, user test or any kind of study that you do externally and like a more formal one, let's say, uh, you're you're ready for it because you you know you know everything that has happened before. Why why designers landed on some specific solutions at this point in time uh, what is not addressed just yet but would be could be uh, addressed in the future so so you know already like the limitations of what could be your uh, your external test and and you know the whole story and you're ready for it uh, basically already so yeah. it's 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 very valuable because you build you build yeah you build trust along the way and you just made your life much easier as a researcher. So, <laughs> so it was a, it was a, just just yeah, it was very um, very nice to be able to work this way. Um, I think it was a you, very pleasant experience yeah. for us as researchers as well. I think it was it was helpful. We could really see the value that we were bringing to the team, and it was very easy for us because we weren't constantly feeling like we were one step behind trying to oh hey we should do research or like oh yeah let's do this or let's do that or we really could understand where we we could identify very easily where our value was and i mean obviously like it's it's very difficult like we were very fortunate that we had the right people at the right time and we were really able to educate and integrate ourselves in that way uh, but i think that play sessions really was like that jumping off point yeah. to getting us to be very integrated, very blended. A lot of these concepts that we've talked a lot about on the podcast was really originated because of what we did with the play sessions on Siege. But I want to talk yeah. about, sorry, good, good, good. so we don't run out of time because we're, <laughs> <laughs> we're taking a long time. I want to quickly cover, because We've kind of demonstrated these different roles, uh, have talked a little bit about kind of why this is really important, but I want like, what did this actually look like, right? And I think it's talking briefly on like what we typically did for a play session to really kind of help people get an idea of the actual steps that we were taking um, so that they can potentially do that as well. Do you want to touch on that? Uh, yes, I'm trying to remember as you, as you mentioned, the. Uh... Mention it. Um, Start touching on a few, and then you can fill in. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. <laughs> so I think <laughs> I think if we're assuming that we're kind of the facilitators, right? I want to look at the full picture. So this was often having conversations ahead of time, really thinking about getting the intentions of the content. So really trying to sit with the designer and understand the the design making sure we knew when, like why they wanted to do a play session and helping know like, okay, we're gonna do this play session today. What information can we get out of it to help them move forward? It was always making sure we were gonna be able to move forward after. Maybe it was taking two steps back to be able to move forward, but we wanted to make sure the actions were gonna be able to be taken. So it was really making sure the team, you know, they understood what the design that they were presenting. We wanted to make sure we were able to present what the key facets of the design were. So if we had participants who were less familiar or maybe something's not fully integrated in the build, we were the ones to kind of present that. We we were running a lot of the kind of 
actual planning for a lot of the pieces. We'd set up a lot of meetings, a lot of processes, a lot of other kind of more boring stuff, which we can touch on at a later point if people have questions. But we were kind of making sure we were sending out the meeting invites on Outlook, like making sure that people knew there was a play session happening. We were identifying maybe like, oh, we need people who are a little more experienced, right? You always have those people on the production that are like really, really high skilled players. Let's tap them. Or we'd had people who maybe were less familiar with the game. So we tapped those individuals in addition to some of the designers. So we were kind of helping curate the audience that was participating in the play session. We were often making sure that they were getting a build <laughs> and that they knew where whoever was in charge, they knew that a build was needed and where it needed to be. We were very, very fortunate that in specifically in our situation on Siege, we had dedicated kind of PC area, a little uh, lounge, as I think we referred to it back then, um, where we were able to push all of the builds. And so basically, we made sure that the builds were getting pushed to the lounge, they were launching appropriately, and that everything was kind of there. Um, I think that's the that's the trick about the the planner role you mentioned before. Yes. Like, um, like it's it's it was very nice for them. Like you just just have a meeting okay you move on to that lounge and then someone will tell you all about the design you will just sit play mm -hmm. and tell, tell them what you think uh so yeah it's uh so you can see where the trap yeah. of getting stuck yes. as the planner occurred yeah but i think it was the after all of that right so we were observing the play session we were really stand we were we would stand behind the people playing the content you know we would sometimes have to prevent the designers from telling people how to play the content you know we were kind of policing the area making sure nobody was giving away the secrets or telling people what to do um and then we would coordinate the debriefs so usually we were at we had very specific questions right i mean anything what we would typically do if we were running a user test we we had specific research questions we wanted to evaluate and we we ran the discussions uh, we got the feedback from everybody. We made sure that we understood the designs, making sure we understood kind of the concerns and the commons. And then we would move to the next steps conversations, which was typically a smaller group of people. It was not the people that attended the play sessions per se. It was really more the decision makers. So this was usually like in our case on Siege, a lot of the times it was, you know, the game directors or the kind of key stakeholders, the designers, the kind of core cell team that was involved we would all then go and have the debrief of the debrief, discuss the, the feedback, discuss, you know, what the next steps were, you know, like you were saying before, do we need to run a user test? Do we need to go back to the drawing board? Are we happy with this design? Do we want to call like, is this the one? Is this the concept that we want to go forward with? And so we were really kind of helping facilitate that. And then we would usually send a recap. So we would basically have, okay, here's was the here was like the key takeaways from the play session. Here was the key takeaways of the next steps discussion, implicating whoever was in charge of doing what thing. So like, okay, this specific designer or you know the programmer is going to evaluate. Like, can we make this change? We feel like if we changed the timing on this thing, then that would help. So we're going to have them change the timer and we're going to do a play, quick play session again tomorrow, evaluate, and then we're going to move into planning for a user test. So it was really kind of just wrapping up that whole package. We had everything in writing. We were really able to say we actually had documents. We kept an internal wiki 
of all of the play sessions, all of the notes from the play sessions. So the next time one came around, if I had run a play session, Seb could then look through and see like, okay, Lainey's play session last time, this was the discussion. All right, great. And so that he already had an idea of where we've been and what decisions had already been taken. Yeah, long term, that's also very valuable. Uh, remember, we also had all of our uh, research. So I think the the small, it's a detail, but I think it's imp uh, it's important. But the 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 mindset we adopted was not to have uh, somewhere where all the research would be, but the other way, like having somewhere for your features where all the feedback would be yes. from user tests, play sessions, and stuff, and uh, that made much more sense for them. And also it's very good when uh, when something would happen. So maybe during a user test, something comes up and okay, it rings a bell or oh, why, why did we land on that solution? What happened before? Okay, if we go back to this, okay, but we tried this before. And I think an history of all of that like was, was also uh, very valuable. Uh, yeah. Even for prototypes also that wouldn't ship. And sometimes it's a prototype you go back after a year, like a year later, you go back to a prototype and then you can see again. And uh, so that was valuable also long term. Yeah. yeah, I think we I think it was really about kind of making sure that we were supporting them in a way that made sense for them. Right. And I think that it helped as a whole play sessions really helped kind of strengthen our relationships. It really kind of helped us become blended within the design. It gave us a lot of really great unique opportunities to educate our partners on what we could do for them, really opening up doors to doing significantly more research, especially in our case, this was really helpful because there had been a lull of research for a while. Um, and so it was really helpful in kind of getting them to know us, trusting us, us being able to understand their needs and be able to kind of rebuild almost that. Um, it really helped kind of, we've talked about like the, the iteration black box, right? And I think that it really removed that black box kind of impact where we were able to understand what decisions were being made and why, because we were there and we were actually helping facilitate that conversation. And so we were able to really expect when decisions were going to be made. We were able to understand, we were able to help inform so they could make the best, more well-informed decision that they that they could. Um, and yeah, we were able to suggest kind of future research, whether that was, we should do a follow-up of a user test or we should run these pro workshops or whatever. We had a lot of different types of research in our kind of in our toolkit at that point. And so it helped us kind of bridge that gap towards these kind of internal, maybe messy, a little bit biased type of pieces of research into the more kind of structured packages that we were accustomed to. And I think one thing that can't be overstated enough is that it's just, this was really great because we did have a fairly small team at that point. It was really you and I, and we had a lot of content that was being made and kind of going through. And so this is something that is really great for smaller teams, people that have maybe less resources, you can really get creative, right? I think it's knowing the different roles that are available to you, the different ways in which you can get involved, understanding that, you know, you want to be able to be kind of that like design tool, right? You're really kind of helping push the design forward, helping them make decisions. Um, I, I want to end on one topic specifically, Seb. Yeah, I would have another one too, yeah. 
depending on how much time we have. But um, <laughs> that's, yeah, I think there's one thing maybe just a, a, um, I'm going to be super short on that, but I think what, what is interesting with PlayStation is that maybe as a user researcher, it looks like, okay, plenty of bias is just pen and paper playing. It doesn't look very good, maybe, like it doesn't look fancy and, yeah. and all, but actually, I think, I think we shouldn't, we should never like under, uh, underestimate the, the importance of where we put our expertise in there. Because yes. for example, in debris, for example, and next steps, like there is one, okay, one player at this at this issue, for example, with that piece of content. Uh, as a designer or part of production, it can be super tricky to deal with that. But as a user researcher, you can say, okay, this one is just an exception uh, because of that context. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Or actually, this one is super important. It's actually, I think it made me realize that this is a potential issue that we should monitor. And this is, and so then you, with just a pen and paper, you can bring your expertise at this key moment. And because the way, maybe it's going to sound a little bit harsh, but if you, if you happen to do research too late, you're just going to, you bring your expertise on broken foundations, basically, and it's yep. too late. And, and, and I think, yes, it's just like, having a few people around playing a game, uh, a new pen and paper and having a focus group with them full of bias, just a pen and paper, but actually it's a great moment to, to leverage your expertise uh, and, and have impact. Uh, I, think, uh, I, think, I think there is a, a very stark contrast between what you just do, but actually the value also of your expertise at that moment in time. Uh, yes. Sorry. And I think that's a big part of why it worked so well for us, because I think that you and I are very aligned with kind of our love for this kind of like scrappy, very kind of just like pen and paper <laughs> type of type of research. And I think that this really fed into that a lot because we both kind of have the natural tendency to operate that way. And I think that this really forced us to, yeah, bring your expertise, right? It's not, your expertise is not just your ability to identify the correct method to run a type of test. It's really about bringing this whole other perspective and understanding of, yeah, okay, I understand that this one person made this comment and that feels very impactful, but here's why I don't think it's an issue, right? I think that that's a really phenomenal point to remember and be able to bring to recognize that you can bring that because I think that's what our role is in this is really helping to kind of untangle I guess all of the the feedback and everything kind of coming at them it's that it's just kind of helping push forward and say hey like this is something that feels so basic and so easy right I'm just going to roll up with my pen and paper and start taking notes and but I think that's, I don't know, I think that's what makes it such an interesting option for researchers because it helps you really practice to be able to bring your expertise outside of the test room and really contextualize what you know about the player's experience based on all of the past research, your just fundamental understanding of heuristics or just research practices in general and putting that into putting that to work yeah, in a very kind of yeah in a very different environment in a little bit of kind of this uncontrolled environment but i think that's i really truly believe that's where you have this really phenomenal value and influence in being able to to help and even for you as a 
as a user researcher, like I think contextualizing, contextualizing the just the decision making process and the technical limitations. Also, it's uh, it will just also alleviate a, maybe some frustrations that can happen. Like yes. if you if you just end up being a service outside providing feedback, just why aren't they acting on that? Why what is happening? Yep. And and actually there you're there in the moment with them and then you can you can understand okay I, now i understand okay the engine has limitations or yeah. or uh, or maybe yeah it's not the, it's not the right moment uh, we are waiting for another feature like plenty of things can can happen and explain uh, a lot of the of the decisions taken about the design too so sure. it's even for yourself like it's a good as a it's good as a user researcher yeah well, i mean i think it just it gives context so that you're not constantly feeling like frustrated i don't know why they did that i don't know they could solve all of their problems if they just made this one change you know and you keep kind of making suggestions or recommendations or kind of having this kind of being you know this frustration towards why aren't they just changing this thing it could solve all of their problems well come to find out the engine doesn't actually support us to be able to do that thing. So we need to get creative as researchers to help them problem solve and find ways to alleviate this issue. <laughs> and so it's like there's two very different problems and the way in which you approach them are very reliant on kind of your understanding of the process and like what's happening outside. It's so easy to get tunnel vision. Right. Like I did this one piece of research. Here's what happened in the test room. This thing happened and you kind of sometimes i see it a lot with more junior researchers right where you you fail to kind of take that step back and look at the bigger picture and identify like is this really an issue is this going to be as impactful as it's looking like it is right now or does it look really impactful but over time or in the actual correct gameplay context, it's not going to be an issue. That's where we need to be able to step in and say, okay, let's make sure we're taking a step back. We need to be the ones to help remind them to do that. Yeah, I think that's the, I think that's the, the most valuable thing, like perspective. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's, it's a very inter interesting tension between, uh, I feel, between between those two, like you want to be embedded, be part of the process, uh, understand the struggles, and you want to be part of all of that. But you also want to be uh, to bring perspective and be outside of that, like no ego, yeah. no, and just uh, avoid everything that a production has to to deal with. Uh, so it's it's a very very interesting tension to 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 play with, uh, and uh, and yeah, I think it's. Like the perspective is the most valuable thing we can bring, I think, uh, as user researcher, yeah. and and we always have to to remember that. I think. Okay. We're what are your? We're running out of time. We've already mm -hmm. gone. We've already gone over time. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was a really good. I think it was a really good um, kind of final point, though. Really to I bring so. up the, kind of this perspective. But I think. Being on the other side of this, I know you've kind of touched on it quite a few times. Um, I wonder kind of what your your final takeaway, you know, as a designer, kind of, you know, what do you what do you wish the the research team could provide, or what would what kind of advice or input would you give to them to 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 best work with you? I think I think I want researchers to to make me trust them. 
like uh, it's it's easy to trust uh, like say say you trust them and then don't really trust them like i want i want them to make me feel like okay they they understand the design they understand where i'm trying to go uh, with that uh, that piece of design what we want to create as an experience i want to be able to trust that uh, i think that's that alleviates a lot of friction then because i can just you know tell you what i need and then i can just trust you to come back with valuable uh, valuable feedback and it's like a trust in this context is really like understanding the design yeah. right it's really kind of being able to say think about what the decisions you've made why you've made them what kind of successes or failures have happened being able to have this kind of full picture of what we're what the goals are what yes. are we trying to achieve what are the goals what steps have we taken and what steps do we want to take and have that entire conversation because it's funny because now that I think about it, it's if you just ask for objectives to a, to a designer or anyone on production, it's too limiting. It's a, it's a bit like uh, waiting for suggestions from a user or just uh, just not, you know not digging too much and and not going to the root of the problem during a user test. You you have to do that with users and find the actual issue that's lying there. Uh, and it's the same with designers. Like you don't want to just stop at the first thing because usually it's the result of a result of a result of an intention. And if you yes. just stop at this, you you probably won't bring the the most valuable feedback or perspective on on the content. So you have to do the same with a designer. Like just dig and dig and dig and and sometimes you don't need to dig because you've been there since the beginning. So you you understand the whole process. So yeah. I think that's that's where the value comes from. Uh, for PlayStation, but uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's also something that uh, that is very valuable. Um, let's talk about design intentions and what we want to achieve as an experience uh, overall, Shared and goals. not just yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you. I'm gonna cut you off before you start sharing more tidbits, because then we can we can flow this into another episode. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I feel like just, we can probably sit and continue chatting about this uh seb and i frequently get lunch and get lost for hours talking about these types of topics um so if you anybody listening has uh kind of questions or comments or other things that maybe we touched on kind of lightly or kind of glossed over a little bit please let us know obviously we would be more than happy to continue this conversation i'm sure i've already got i have a whole list of potential topic ideas where seb and i can kind of sit down and discuss um, as additionally as kind of talking a little bit about you know, your new your role, right? What you what you're doing as a UX designer and kind of how user research can work and integrate with that. I think we could be a great follow up. So if anybody has questions for Seb or I, and uh, we can spin that into another episode, we will happily sit down for another hour and go through it. But um, Seb, I don't usually call you Seb, so it feels weird to call you that. But <laughs> <laughs> Let's not, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's uh, cut the podcast short. Let's stop there. Uh, let's not talk about the main Yes. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's, it's of course, always um, great to be able to reminisce on the, the work that we did together and how we were able to achieve what we did. And uh, I, I always appreciate your perspective uh, because obviously you come from a different background as from me. So thank you so much for taking the time to discuss and uh, we will catch you all very soon. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you. And bye, everyone.